many of you that song reminds you of Love is a Battlefield? <laughs> is it just me? It's just, well, this is a perfect Sunday for this message. Uh, it's about power, and we're kind of turning the corner in this series. The next three messages, starting with today, will be about the sources of power and how we can make sure that we're able to uh, take the power that's available in uh, so that we can utilize it. So I want you to picture this, and of course, Pete already almost, stole, wherever he's at, he's almost stole my whole thunder from my intro. I should have told him what my intro was about. Picture this, and maybe some of you have had this kind of thing happen. You have a rough day at work, and you're already tired. I mean, you know, you're doing the head bob, you're so tired. Your eyes are drooping closed, and so you just can't wait to get into your car and you know you can kind of control your environment in there you turn on the temperature you want you turn on what you want to hear and you know man soon you're going to be home and you're going to enjoy all that comes with being home and so you go down and you go to turn your car on and what you hear is click 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 battery's dead so you're like okay all right well you have your phone so you call you get somebody to come you get a jump whatever so now you're on your way home you're like okay okay you've lost about an hour half hour but at least you're on your way home now you get two miles from your house and you're out of gas now once again back to your phone you got to get some gas from somebody so you're waiting once again you get the gas you're like okay okay it's all right this happens it's just part of life you get to your house and you start to get ready to eat your dinner and then just like what happened here a minute ago all the power goes out the lights go out everything goes out now we didn't lose everything we lost the music which was a very interesting experience was it not how many of you you were you were singing out until that music dropped out and then you're like oh shoot that's my voice <laughs> me <laughs> I was like all I want is you and then boop they went to me so you get home and your power's out and so now you just give it up at this point you're like I'm done I give up uh, you call the company which is what we all do we want to know when the power is going to come on they say it's not going to come on until 6 next morning so you're like that's it I'm going to sleep I don't even, I'm not even going to try to eat because whatever I eat it's not going to be satisfying at this point so you go to sleep in a house that is full of gadgetry full of technology that's able to do so much your car full of technology full of gadgetry that can do so much but if the battery's not charged if the gas tank is not filled doesn't matter any of those things now what's the common theme of this experience that I just talked about you know you start off and your battery's dead and you run out of gas and you get home and your power's out what, what's the common theme anybody want to venture it power okay someone said it sucks to be you no no <laughs> no that's not the theme that's not <laughs> but it would be true it would be true now some of you you're you're right now you're saying I can't believe that that minister just said sucks forgive me forgive me it was meant to be humorous don't let that distract you the rest of it's going to be better I assure you now there is one thing though at at least my house I don't know about your house that would be working you see some of you you're still old school and you do this right but some of you are like me you just hold it in place you've got that bad electric toothbrush how many know what I'm talking about you've got a bad electric toothbrush thousand revolutions I don't know per second or something like that some of you are still doing this 
There's no comparison. Your dentist will tell you the truth. Get the one that spins in a circle, and it will take care of your gums and your teeth much better. But if you have, like I have, the electric toothbrush at home, even though the power is out, the electric toothbrush still works, right? That is as long as it's charged, <laughs> right? It has to be, follow with me now, it has to be plugged in, it has to be charged up, and it has to be turned on. Keep that in mind. Plugged in, charged up, turned on. We're a lot like electric toothbrushes. <laughs> Have you ever thought about the absurdity of, of sleep? I mean, let this thing sink in on you. We, we, we don't think about it a whole lot because we can't do a thing about it. But you lie comatose with your mouth hanging open one-third of your life. And you can't do a thing about it. And if you try to defy it, you go 48 hours, 72 hours, what happens to you? We, we fall apart. We act like crazy people. We, we can hardly walk. We can hardly move. We can hardly think. So we are such humble, fragile, dependent creatures <laughs> that in every 24-hour period, we have to go unconscious and recharge. Now, I'm not sure how the recharging thing works, but I just know that it works, right? You get up after six, eight hours sleep, whatever it may be, and suddenly you're, you're reinvigorated. But we have to be recharged physically. You can tell where I'm probably going with this. What if the truth is, is that sometimes in our lives, we have little to no power to do what we know is God's will, the right thing, the thing that we re right, might even want to do, but we just don't find the power to do it. How many of us know that there are times that resisting temptation is extraordinarily hard, almost impossible, we might say. At other times, it's really easy to resist. For example, Right here, right now, I'm not trying to say that any of you would do something like this, but I've known, I've known some Christians that actually drop the F-bomb at times. I'm not sure. Have any of you ever been around a Christian that dropped the F-bomb? Yeah, and, and you know what else Christians do? They use the word frigging as though that's not the F-bomb. That's just, that's the F-bomb. Don't say frigging, Christian. So... <laughs> But right now, none of you here feel temptation to drop the F-bomb. None of you feel temptation to think immoral sexual thoughts, I hope. <laughs> none of you feel temptation to rob or steal or cheat or lie. Why? You're much more prone to be thinking righteous thoughts, godly thoughts, compassionate thoughts, holy thoughts generous thoughts good thoughts why is that what well, why is it that right now it's really easy for us to focus to fixate to think about to experience the the very presence of God why is it that Christ and God and his kingdom feels so real when we are gathered like this and yet we can go into other environments which we must do and we lose that sense of reality. And in those environments, we are more vulnerable to think things we shouldn't think and to say things we shouldn't say and to do things we wouldn't do. Whereas in here, we're empowered to be godly and to be righteous. Why is that? Well, you say, well, Randy, I, I just don't want to be embarrassed. That's, that's my, no, no, but that's not the truth for most of us. The truth is, these are spiritually charged moments. That's why church attendance 
It's not something you do to please God. It's something we do because we desperately need it. These are spiritually supercharged moments. These are moments where we get plugged in and we start to recharge up. How many of you would say this? You can tell in your own experience that, you know, you kind of, you go through Sunday and man, you get fired up, you get recharged, you get energized, you get refocused. And then as the week goes on, sometimes that just sort of dissipates. It, it drops it. How many have had that experience? Keep that in mind because we're going to go somewhere with that later. That's a normative experience. We are like my toothbrush. <laughs> we need to be recharged. That's why we go unconscious every 24 hours and just lay there like zombies. We need to be recharged. All right, I want to take you to a portion of Scripture. John 15, now it's important that I give you a little background. When you get to John chapter 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, they all take place in the same night. It is Jesus' last night with his disciples. He has been with them about three and a half years. Just picture what that would be like. You are every day for three and a half years in the very presence of Christ. Every day you get up in the morning, Lord, where are we going today? What are we doing today? Every day you're just focused on him, what he's going to do, what he's going to say, what he's going to teach. You, this is the tough one. Every day, <laughs> You get to look in his eyes. You get to hear the tone of his voice. You get to, to read his body language as well as what he says. You, you get behind the scenes where you can say, Lord, what, what, what did you mean when you said that? We, we heard it, but we, what did you mean? Why did you say that when you said it the way you said it? Three and a half years. How many of you know you're, you're driving would be different if Jesus was sitting on passenger seat every day? How many of you know that? You're, <laughs> they wouldn't need those uh, those cameras we all slow down when we see camera right because you can't beat that camera you get that fancy little ticket in the mail with your tag on it you know how many have gotten those I, I confess I have <laughs> but Jesus sitting there shotgun you know you're driving different right we're driving different you're behaving different at work. You're behaving different in the neighborhood. You're behaving different in your house. Everything's different. They, these men were in the presence. They walked with him. They, they talked to him. They ate with him. Three and a half years. Now, here's the key. They were in the direct presence with Jesus, who we now know was none other than God expressing himself fully finally to the universe in human form and it took human form and took God reducing himself to human form so that his heart could be fully expressed in a way that wouldn't terrify we that take it in three and a half years they're in the presence of Jesus and these guys are different that they had they had as Jewish guys they had access to the law of God the law of Moses and so forth they had taken that in it probably had modified their behavior a little bit but it hadn't reached the core of their being now they're in the full presence of God the law that God gave to Moses it was a partial revelation of God do this don't do that do this don't do that but they couldn't see the heart of God. And we needed to see the heart of God to have our heart affected so that our guilt and our shame and our fear of God could be sufficiently pushed aside so that we could just meet him even terms and see him as he is and decide if we really want anything to do with him. Three and a half years, the presence, you gotta get this, the presence of Christ was 
affecting these men changing these men changing the way they thought the way they felt the way they acted the way they reacted it it was reaching the core of their being they wanted to be like Jesus you have to understand a disciple in biblical times it wasn't like what we think of in church terms today a disciple is just like oh yeah I made a, a prayer confession to Jesus or something like that no 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 a disciple and we need to understand this it was one that said they are going to follow the teaching of their teacher their their rabbi and I'm going to follow it until I'm so immersed in it I've so internalized it that I'm I'm desiring to become just like my teacher when the scripture talks about putting our trust in Christ and becoming his follower his disciple it means that we are so attracted to him that we not only trust him we desperately want to be like him we we have seen the truth about God in life and we know that humanity this is the way humanity was meant to be this is the only way life can work we say I want to be like you and I will spend the rest of my life immersing myself in your presence in your word in your teaching so that I can become like you that's these guys that's what they were doing for three and a half years they were crazy mad in love with Jesus aside from Judas and they just wanted to grow they just wanted to be like him it was spontaneous it wasn't out of fear it wasn't out of like the song we sang you know I I don't I don't need blessings Jesus you don't owe me anything they just saw something so stunningly beautiful they wanted to be like him and his presence was giving off power that was changing them and they probably weren't even aware it was happening but they they were changing all the time so then we come to this it's the last night Jesus has warned them repeatedly he's told them over and over since the beginning of his ministry in the middle two or three times at the end that he's going to be crucified but he always says don't worry guys I'm going to rise from the dead all my promises you're going to see I have the power to keep them and so now this is the last night he's told them but they're still not letting it sink in he says these words to them in John 15 he says I'm the sprouting vine and you're my branches as you live in union with me as your source fruitfulness will stream from within you but when you live separated from me you are what does it say powerless if the cord is not plugged into the wall even though the television can do all kinds of things it's powerless if if the electric toothbrush which is an amazing thing that you all should buy (laughs) by the way one other tip did you know flossing will add years to your life just thought I'd pass that on (laughs) how many of you just hate flossing be honest confessing I hate it but I do it because it supposedly will add years to your life anyway separated from me you're powerless now mind you Jesus has told them I'm leaving I'm going to go to the cross I'm going to be crucified I'm leaving guys but he's telling them the way that we have functioned for three and a half years I was the center of your life I was the the focus every single day of your life we went where I wanted to go you listened you learned you developed you grew you partnered with me so just like we've done it for three and a half years now you've got to continue doing it even though I'm not going to be with you now he tells them earlier he's going to send the Holy Spirit to make his presence uh, felt and they would be able to experience the presence of Jesus but now spiritually not physically and it would be the same manifest powerful transforming presence 
that would be brought by the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit. But the key here is separated, powerless, in union, fruitful. Now, what does fruitful mean? Fruitful takes on two forms when you study Scripture. Fruitfulness is my character is changing to become like Christ. You're going to see that later on in this message. Fruitfulness secondarily is I am serving God. I am realizing God's purpose and intention for my life. I'm serving God. I'm serving his kingdom. I'm serving others. So it's character and it's service is primarily what fruitfulness is about in Scripture. Let's go on. But if you live in union, in life union with me, and if my words live powerfully within you, then you can ask whatever you desire and it will be done. Now, some people read just this part. You can ask whatever you desire, and it will be done. And we pray stupid prayers. I won't ask you if you've ever prayed stupid prayers, but God doesn't answer stupid prayers. Well, he does answer them. He says no. <laughs> it's what every good parent would do. When your lives bear abundant fruit, you demonstrate that you are my mature disciples who will glorify my Father. Let's go on just a bit more. John 15, 26. Now, this is important. The helper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit that would come. Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit back after he ascended into heaven, after his sacrifice on the cross and his burial and his resurrection and ascension. He's telling these guys in advance. He says, I'm going to leave you, but I'm, I'm not going to leave you all alone. The Spirit will manifest my presence for you. The helper will come. The Spirit, means the Holy Spirit, who reveals the truth about God and who comes from the Father I will send him to you from the Father. And you've got to get this last part. He will do what? He will speak about who? Meeting Jesus. When an individual follower of Christ is being affected by the Spirit of God, the way the Spirit of God wants to affect us, our minds are going to be on Jesus. Our thoughts are going to be on Jesus. Our fixation, our focus is going to be on Jesus. Our mind, our fixation, our focus will not be on the Holy Spirit himself. The Holy Spirit's goal, the Holy Spirit's ministry is to divert attention away from himself and on to Jesus. When the Holy Spirit is active in your life, in the life of a church, that church will be a church that is so fixated on Christ. Why? Because Christ is the fullness of God. God has pulled wide the, the cape and he's opened up his heart to us and we see the fullness of God in Christ. The Holy Spirit, when he's operating, will always focus your mind, your heart, our hearts collectively, our minds, on Christ. A church that is a spirit-filled church will be a church that is passionate about Christ it will not be always talking about the Holy Spirit in fact it will be talking about Christ all right tuck that away we're, 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 going, we're going to bring that back a little bit later so Jesus tells them all this he says guys the way you've lived in union with me you got to keep on living in union with me even though I'm not going to be there with you but the Holy Spirit's going to help to do that to bring that about so that my presence will be just as real even better it will be always available for you for the rest of your life he'll he'll dwell with you jesus says in other portions of john forever all right let's turn the corner a bit i've got the power of critical spiritual connectivity 
the power of God is available to everyone in this room right now, each and every one of us that's put our trust in Christ and become his follower. That's the first thing to ask yourself. Have you as a thinking adult, and in a world where everybody's following somebody, we're either following ourselves or somebody, some other human, have you put your trust in Christ and determined I'm going to follow Jesus and I'm going to follow him fully and I'm following him freely because he's won my heart and my trust and I'm going to follow him forever. That's what it means to be a Christian, nothing less. So we have to pause there for a minute. Am I a Christian? And the answer is if I've put my trust in Christ and now I am following Jesus and I don't, I don't really care what anybody else is going to do, I'm going to follow Jesus forever. If no one else in the world follows Jesus, he has so won my trust, my, my heart, I'm going to follow him fully. He says do it, I'm going to do it. He says stop it, I'm going to stop it. And I'm going to follow him forever. That's what it means to be a Christian nothing less than that it says in Acts eleven twenty six, 26 the, the disciples the followers that's what disciple means the followers were first called Christians at Antioch so you see following Jesus was first they call Christians Christians because they look so much like Jesus their behavior was so modified their lifestyle was so modified and that's why we were first called Christians but we were followers of Jesus first so ask yourself that and it's okay if you're not you might be just in a process right now but ask yourself this simple question have I as a thinking intelligent adult have I made a decision I'm putting my trust in Christ and from this moment forward I'm going to follow him don't really care what anybody else is doing he's won my trust he created the universe so he's intelligent enough to guide and direct my life and he loved me enough that he sacrificed himself on the cross for me he's either won each of our trust by that or he is not so that's the first thing to ask, okay? Because going further, it's just going to be confusing to you because that's the start of a critical spiritual connect, connectivity. When you and I put our trust in Christ, we were apart from him, we weren't connected. Scripture says, Colossians 1.16, we were made by Christ and for Christ, but until we return to him in trust, we have no spiritual connectivity. That's why Scripture talks about people being spiritually dead while they're physically alive. Until we're reconnected, with our creator we're like branches that are broken off remember Jesus said I'm the sprouting vine and you're the branches now branch a branch has just been broken off a tree it can, it can sometimes look like it's still alive you know the leaves stay there I had a branch break off a tree up my house and that thing stayed there for about two or three weeks with green leaves but it was, it was dying it was dying from the moment it broke off and were it a fruit limb it would never produce fruit the fruit wouldn't grow and mature it's just not going to happen so we're either connected to Christ by putting our trust in him and becoming his follower or we're not so that's first critical spiritual connectivity let's look at this a little deeper now we're going to assume that we put our trust in Christ we are his followers therefore we're we're spiritually connected what are the means of connection now we've talked about one already it's putting our trust in Christ but after we put our trust in Christ what do, what do we do or what can we do to stay connected so that we can stay plugged in charged up and ultimately turned on when the power is called for so let's look 1 Thessalonians 2 gives us some help in this and Jesus did as well you're going to see he, he talked about if my word is powerfully active in you he said then you can pray for what you want and I'll answer Paul talking to the Thessalonians he says 
This is why we continually thank God for your lives because you received our message that's getting plugged in wholeheartedly. You embraced it that's getting charged up, not as a fabrication of men, but as the word of God. And the word of God continues to be an energizing force in you who what? believe now that's a greek word there for trust confidence reliance faith uh he's saying for you that really have trust in the word of god for you that really have faith in the word of god for you that really rely on the word of god for you that have confidence in the word of god that's the turn on switch so if you look through this we have all three steps again they first of all received the word of god as it was the message of god that's the plug-in they embraced it that's the getting charged up and then they trusted in it that's turned on that's the power release switch but we see that that part of staying connected is staying connected to God's word Jesus said in that first section we read he says if my word lives powerfully in you then you can ask what you want and it will be done because we'll be praying for the things that Jesus himself would pray for and not the silly things we would but it's the word of God that is a key connected piece now I want, I want you to think about something and I'm actually getting, my, getting ahead a little bit, but I'm going to say it anyway. When the Gospel of John was first heard, the first hearers, okay, meaning the disciples, they're sitting there with Jesus that night in the, in the upper room, you know, and he's, he's saying those words about, I'm the, I'm the sprouting vine, you're the branches, and all like that. How many of you knew there was no New Testament then? How many knew that? And if you didn't know, don't be afraid no there was no there was no new testament there was old testament then but there was no new testament the new testament was just being formed now we are we are told we read in john 15 26 that the holy spirit's job was to testify about christ to expand understanding about christ to point attention on christ the holy spirit did that it's been accomplished it is finished to a certain degree by our having the new testament the new testament is the the evidence it's the compilation of the holy spirit focusing attention on jesus expanding understanding of jesus showing the heart of god as it was revealed in jesus his life his sacrificial death his resurrection and so forth so what i'm trying to get you to hear right now you got because i always meet people to say man i don't like to read how, how many it's okay you don't like to read can i see your hands thank god because we live in a day and age where you can just listen to the word right you, you can just listen to it if you don't like to read they couldn't do that through most of human history most people would have died for a copy of scripture but we have the bible we can get good study bibles all kinds of tools but if you hate reading you can at least listen to the word what i'm trying to say is one of the critical ways that we can have the working of the spirit in our lives keeping us not just plugged in but charged up is the way these first followers in Thessalonica did they take the word of God in they took it seriously and they acted on it if it said do it they did it if it said stop it they stopped it that's making it real simplistic but I want, I want I try to be as clear as I can so the word of God is a critical if, if we want to stay plugged in if we want to stay charged up we, we've got to become people of the book we've got to become people that seriously find ways to take the truth that is in scripture and and internalize it because until it's internalized we're not charged in other words okay 
there are Christians, believe it or not, that they just kind of legalistically, mechanistically read the scripture because they've been taught somewhere, man, you got to read a little scripture every day because you don't read the scripture a little bit every day, you're a bad Christian. But you can read the scripture and get nothing out of it, nothing, nothing at all. You have to, we have to go to the scripture seeking God, seeking his heart, seeking his mind. I want to know the way he thinks. I want to know the way he feels. I, I, I want God when I go to scripture, and we have to go to scripture that way. Then we start getting charged up, and we have to go to it in a fashion that we're trying. We are trying to internalize it. We immerse ourselves in it redundantly, repeatedly, until it gets inside of us, and it starts to change everything about us. We stay connected through God's word. Now, some of you, are, that's no, no news to you. Let's look at something else. Galatians, the apostle Paul talking, once again, he's writing to the followers of Christ living in Galatia. Now, he says some really strange things here. It's going to be a little hard to get our heads around. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. Mind you, he was very much alive. I have been crucified with Christ, that is, in him I have shared his crucifixion it is no longer I meaning Paul the apostle Paul who lived but Christ lives in me stop but was Paul saying that that he no longer has his identity that he's completely lost his identity and he doesn't exist anymore and that when he opens his mouth it's really just Jesus talking through him and that Paul doesn't exist anymore no 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 that's not what he's saying it kind of sounds like that initially but that's not what he's saying he says the life I now so he's showing he's very much alive very much engaged the life I now live he's giving us the interpretation of what he said above scripture often does that by the way the life I now live in the body I live by faith or trust and here it's broken down by adhering to relying on and completely what is the last word trusting in the son of God who loved me (laughs) And he gave himself up for me. What's Paul talking about? He's talking about this intense spiritual connection that he experienced evidently every day of his life with Christ. He he couldn't get it out of his head that the creator of the universe looked at him who started out his life trying to crush and kill the very movement of God, the church of Christ. He was the first persecutor, and he just couldn't get over it that God loved him still so much that Christ went to the cross, sacrificed himself to to reach the heart of a guy that called himself the worst of sinners. And he said, man, I, I could never get over that. That jolted me. It wasn't Jesus that deserved to be on that cross, Paul is saying. He said, it was me. I'm the guy that should have been on the cross. I don't know if you've ever been there yourself, but I've been there many a time. It's me. I'm the one that should have gone through death and worse. Not Jesus. Not Jesus. And Paul is saying that, that a chemistry kind of happened so that that he completely was bound in his heart to this one who created the universe and yet loved him enough to die for him and every day of his life he says man all I want to do is I want to live in complete trust in you Jesus if you say do it I'm going to do it if you say stop it I'm going to stop it if you say learn it I'm going to learn it if you say develop it I'm going to develop it I I so trust you I, I can't believe that you loved me enough that you gave yourself up for me now I'm going to gladly give myself up for you. 
I'm not doing this because I'm afraid of you. I'm not doing this because I want to go to heaven uh, as much as that would be true. I'm just doing this because you have, you have won my heart. You're my creator and designer, and all you're trying to do is show me the way I was designed to live. You are always for me, and now you've won my heart. That, Paul is saying that he experienced a spiritual connection with Christ through his ongoing trust in Christ because Christ had won his heart through his sacrificial love let's look at one more source now this one I'm going to have to do some interpretation for sure okay same apostle Paul writing to followers of Jesus living in Ephesus and he says don't get drunk with wine because it makes you lose control instead keep on being filled with the spirit remember Jesus said that when he ascends he would send the spirit the spirit would expand our understanding of him would make his presence known and felt and so forth but this first part I I don't know about you but as a young believer I always had trouble with this be filled with the Holy Spirit or and it's really continuous tense be being filled it's continuous but I had this picture in my mind I was like a (laughs) I don't know like an empty bucket or something and I'm waiting for God to kind of pour himself into me and I was waiting to be suddenly transformed you know by God pouring him and and I wasn't quite sure how to get that pouring you know sometimes I prayed sometimes I read the word sometimes I I asked for it specifically but you know I went through all these different gyrations but I wasn't really quite sure ever what that thing was teaching be filled I had this this water thing going on in my head I don't know why but the secret to the passage to understanding the passage (laughs) is the drunk with wine now now that's the secret that's the interpretive key now I fully understand that in a room like this I am probably the only one in here who can speak experientially about that (laughs) my experience is limited 10 years of experience from age 13 to 23 I experienced intoxication of many types okay because that's what that's talking about now I know you guys don't know what intoxication is so I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna amplify this for you I'm gonna tell you what happens (laughs) when you're intoxicated by anything your mind is altered your mood is altered that's why we do it your perspective is altered the way you feel your emotions are affected the awareness you have of yourself your environment of others it's affected uh not in a good way by the way your body is affected right you start to do that kind of that little walk you know <laughs> your voice might change your eyes may look different you treat people differently you feel differently about yourself some of you yeah i feel so confident and relaxed <laughs> that's the trick that's the seduction that's the danger but when we are intoxicated it changes us it changes our perspective it changes our outlook on life it changes our values it sure as heck changes our behavior not usually positively okay filled with wine means influence we are under the influence of whatever the intoxicant is it could be medical marijuana but you're under the influence if you smoke enough of it okay so it changes us 
So this fullness, this thing of being filled, it means that we so succumb to the influence on it that we see things differently, we think differently, we feel differently, we behave differently. Complete change because of the influence, that's the secret to being filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit influences us and the main influence that the Holy Spirit brings as an experience to us is an experience of the presence of Christ. The same thing those guys have for three and a half years living in the very presence of Christ. The Holy Spirit, when we are filled or under the influence of the Holy Spirit, the presence of Christ is very real, at times downright palpable. Most of the time, if churches are doing what they're supposed to do, when we gather like this and the word of God is being handled faithfully, we experience the presence of Christ in a very uh, life-dominating way. It, it's almost palpable. That, that's the activity of the Holy Spirit. We can certainly experience that at other times privately. That, that's true. But what I'm trying to get into your mind, when we are filled with the Holy Spirit, and notice it's continuous action. We're to, we're to continue to do this, to continue to be filled. The first evidence of this that we will experience is a, a manifest presence of Jesus Jesus starts to become real to us um, his presence starts to affect us it starts to transform the way we see things the way we feel in fact I drew out a little, little graph here for you I'm going to share let, let me uh, let me go to that oh uh, this is just a repeat of that of what the Holy Spirit will do the helper will come the spirit who reveals the truth about God and who comes from the father I will send him to you from the father and he will speak about me I wanted to, to remind you again that the Holy Spirit will always focus on Jesus speak about him because that's the the truth about God now let me show you this little graph when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and it's something that we can be filled and lose that influence and then regain that influence. That's why it says be being. It's a continuous thing. We have a heightened spiritual awareness when we are under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Number one, we are very much more aware of God and His presence, of Christ and His presence. We become more self-aware. We become more aware of other people, sensitized to other people. Uh, we have heightened awareness of our environment, of our context. All those things are lost when we're under the influence of an intoxicant. It goes just the opposite way. But under the influence of the Spirit of God, we become self-aware, other-aware, God-aware, contextually aware, what's appropriate, what's not appropriate. We're, we're tuned in. We're, our senses are like elevated. The presence of Christ becomes powerfully real to us. We start seeing things from Jesus' perspective we start seeing life from God's perspective. That creates priorities or values. When we see things the way Jesus is seeing them, what's important to Christ becomes important to us. What's not important to Christ is not important to us. It changes our value system, which hence changes our priorities when we're under the influence of the Spirit. And then it brings energy, passion. We, because we now value what Christ values and we're seeing things the way he sees them and we feel about them the way he feels about them, we're motivated, we're energized, we're empowered to take action, but it's appropriate action. It's the action that Jesus himself would take in any given situation. And that leads to practices, what we actually do. I've tried to break down so that you can understand when the Holy Spirit is operating in us in the way that he, that he wants to. 
We don't have this sense of some alter ego coming over us or, or another voice talking in your head. If you have another voice talking in your head, you really need to see somebody. Uh, it's not me, but, but we'll, we'll send you to somebody. This is the way it happens. God's spirit and our spirit are so meshed together. There's oneness. There's unity. And so these are the ways we recognize that the, the power of the Holy Spirit operating when we're filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay, let me pass on. What are the effects of this connection? So when we're properly connected, we're plugged in, we're charged up, we're ready to turn on the switch in whatever circumstance we're in for appropriate practices and actions. What are the effects of this connection? Now, I've already hinted at it earlier when I mentioned what fruitfulness was when Jesus said, I'm the sprouting vine and you're the branches and if you continue in union with me, you'll produce a lot of fruit and that honors my father and so forth well let's let's look at a few passages second corinthians 3 now this this one it kind of gives the means of connection as well as the effects of connection it says and we who with unveiled faces contemplate the lord's glory pause on that for a minute It, it means i'm thinking about the personality of god as it's revealed in Jesus because that's where we find the fullness of God it says in Colossians 2 9 and 10 the fullness of God is unveiled in Jesus so I'm pondering I'm thinking why did you say that Lord why why did you do this what what was what was the reason what was the the why behind the what you did and so forth I'm contemplating I'm thinking about why are you so kind why are you so merciful why are you so patient why are you so compassionate and and I'm looking at these things I'm pondering I'm focusing I'm praying for insight to understand the heart of God more and more when we contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed notice notice as I'm focused on Christ I'm being transformed I'm being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit so what is the effect of being uh, spiritually connected I start to change I start to become more like Christ but but notice I become more like Christ as I'm focused on him I'm thinking about him I'm assessing him I'm trying to learn more about him and that affects me those disciples three and a half years all they did was hang out with Jesus every single day and by hanging out with Jesus seeing him seeing the way he thought the way he felt the way he treated people that changed them and it changed them from the inside out it wasn't like a list of do's and don'ts it was just this spontaneous adoration that effectively changed them at the core of their being so that's one of the effects we literally become more Christ-like when we're plugged in when we have um, essential connectivity let's go on Galatians 5 22 Jesus talked about I'm the sprouting vine you're the branches when you are in union with me you'll have fruitfulness Now he's going to talk about some of this fruitfulness that the Spirit of God producing the presence of Christ in us brings forth. But the fruit of the Spirit, the result of his presence within us, is love, unselfish concern for others, joy, inner peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control against such things there's no law now this is the amplified version and it always expands on on uh, the explanations of the words the original greek words but look at these things 
that the presence of Christ as a governing reality within us spontaneously produces, and these things increase. They don't uh, appear instantaneously all at once, but they increase. They are the result of being connected appropriately to the power of God through the presence of God. The, pres- the presence of Christ is the power of God. That's where we experience it in its fullness. Let me go on one more time. Colossians 1.28, and this is the final one we'll deal with. He is the one, Paul is talking about Christ, he is the one we proclaim. We had a message in here that God's spirit comes primarily to give us the power to open these mouths of ours and tell the world about Christ. That's the turn on switch. But we won't turn on and open our mouths unless we're plugged in and charged up. And many times we miss opportunities because we're not turned on because we haven't been sufficiently charged up. He says, he is the one we proclaim. If you're a Christ follower, part of your innate existence is to tell other people about Christ, to tell the people the truth about God as he's revealed in Christ. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom that admonishing and teaching means that once I've put my trust in Christ or once anyone has put their trust in Christ now they need to be taught and sometimes the teaching takes the form of admonition admonition is this Greek word nutheteo and it's the idea that I'm going to I'm going to come to you and we're going to talk face to face for the point of correcting you and I'm going to do this in love but it's still going to be confrontation that tells me sometimes I need correction and sometimes I need correction from another person uh, I had somebody come in my office just this week and offered me some correction. And I said, thank you. And, and I took it seriously. <laughs> okay? So we proclaim, we admonish and teach everyone with all wisdom so that, now why are we doing this? Why are we proclaiming Christ? Why, why is Paul admonishing and teaching with all wisdom? So, so, <laughs> so that we may present everyone what? Full, full, you with me? fully mature in what so please let us sing in paul the apostle of god his goal was not just to get people to make decisions for jesus let me just tell you, say a little something they've done numerous studies on this stuff of decisions for jesus particularly these crusades and things i'm not knocking billy graham i thought he was a wonderful guy a great servant of god but but when they surveyed these these decisions of jesus particularly that are made in mass Anybody want to give a guess on how many of them continue in Jesus? Continue to follow him? Well, here's what we find in these studies. 95% of those that make decisions for Jesus do not continue to follow him. Paul, Paul, his focus was on getting individuals to be fully mature in Christ. His goal was not just to get decisions for Jesus. His goal was to see them become authentic followers of Jesus that are actually growing, actually becoming like Jesus, actually taking the message of Christ, taking it to their world, their circles of influence. That's full maturity. Jesus said, you'll be fruitful if you're united with me. Fully mature in Christ, To this end, I strenuously, so now Paul's talking personally about himself. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Because Paul was connected 
it was affecting him with motivation. He was fired up. He was enthusiastic. He was motivated. This was a guy that spent 32 years of his life serving Jesus, telling others about him, trying to bring people to full maturity in Christ because full maturity in Christ is full maturity as a human being. And the drive never left him. I mean, he ultimately was martyred because of it. And when you read his record, particularly in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through, I think, 30 or so, you'll see that he went through a lot that could discourage most people. But he had this energy of Christ. He thought about people the way Christ thought about them. He wanted what Christ wanted, and it motivated him. I'm just going to not ask you to raise your hand, but if you're typical you've probably found your motivation going up and down at times. Sometimes you're very motivated to see others come to Christ and see others become like Christ. You're motivated to see yourself become more like Christ, and then other times you're not. It's a connectivity problem more than likely. You're, you're not staying sufficiently connected and charged and charged. All right, let me try to close with a few thoughts. Three things I've reiterated in this thing. We've got to be plugged in, we've got to be charged up, and then we have to be turned on. Okay, that, that toothbrush won't work without all three of those things. Likewise with you and I. The power is present. We, we have tremendous potential when the power of God can flow through us. But it first has to be in us to flow through us. So we've got to have intentional recharging rhythms in our life in other words if if you find that when you gather like this on a Sunday it does something to you spiritually you're, you're kind of charged you take in some spiritual energy the presence of Christ becomes real the kingdom of God and living for God becomes more more powerful to you well then the first thing I would do if I were you and it's what I've done for more years than I can count now I make this a priority now I know we just kind of came through COVID and all that kind of thing but we're coming out of COVID I believe and now it's time for the people of God to start regathering and regather regularly and passionately and come with prepared fervent hearts week in and week out this is a massive recharging that occurs in the churches of God all across the world every single Sunday if our hearts are open to plugging in and receiving to be recharged now, you probably find, though, that by midweek or something like that, the charge is wearing off. How many would just by, you're not going to hurt my feelings. How many would raise your hand and say, Randy, tell you the truth, man. By about Wednesday, I'm not looking the same as I was thinking and feeling and behaving on Sunday. How many, how many it, it, you lose the power. It starts to wane. That's normative. Remember, we're like batteries. We, we have to go unconscious once every 24 hours. We need to be recharged every day. What if, what if you were to try to find some means that work for you that give you some recharging and you deliberately, intentionally structure those into your life? For example, if you find that you, you lose power, and we all do, maybe by midweek, what if you were to join a growth group? Because I can guarantee you, you join a growth group and you get around believers, particularly in close proximity and you're sharing God's word and you're sharing your life experiences, it's going to charge you up, man. It's going to charge you up big. Might even turn into some lifelong friendships that will be a source of spiritual charge to you forever. But what if you just program something like that in? Okay, let, let's take it simpler. I, I do these things called teaching moments. How many, know, how many have ever watched any of my teaching moments online? Okay, thank God for that. 
I'm not saying it's all that, but I'm saying it's something. It might just give you a rhythm where you're getting some charge back in your life two or three days a week. We run them three days a week. Why not say, man, you know what? I'm going to schedule this thing. They only take about five minutes. I'm going to watch these Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday because that's when they come out. I'm going to get some recharge. Some of you might say, well, I'm going to go finally. I'm going to go finally and I'm going to buy a study Bible. Uh, or, or I'm going to get some tapes and I'm going to start listening to the Bible on tape, whatever it is you may do. But there, there's something powerful when we actually with our own eyes, with our own mind, go to God, pray for a revelation that, of himself and his will and his ways in his word, and we start to actually study the word of God for ourself. That, that's a massive recharging experience that you can do almost any time. Let me give you another one. I bet you some of you, you you'll, 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 this will resonate with you. How many of you like Christian music? Can I see your hands? How many of you, if that energy is wearing down and you just do something as simple as you start listening to some, some Christian music, man, you start to get recharged again. Christ becomes real again. Kingdom of God becomes important again. Living righteously, you have a new incentive to do it. How, how many music can recharge you? Okay. Now, it's very personal. We, we, we have to kind of have some self-awareness. Some of us, <laughs> bear with me, some of us, we meet God more powerfully in the outdoors. And, I mean, we can go for a walk in the mountains or, or, or just get outdoors, and we meet God that way. Some of us meet God better in privacy, in secret. I'm one of those guys, I, I guess because I'm so, sort of an introvert. I like that aloneness with God. But we all have different ways. We all have uh, paths in our soul that we connect. Some people connect with God when they serve. Get on a serving team to get recharged. Being around other followers of Christ and just rolling up their sleeves and serving them, that charges some of you. Figure out what charges you, but then intentionally create a structured schedule where you're recharging at appropriate rhythms. You'll be amazed You'll be amazed at what a difference this will make in, in the spiritual power in your life. Power to resist the temptation that is always there and power to do the will of God that is always open and the opportunities available nearly all the time. But you've got to have the power. That toothbrush, man, it's, it's a bad boy now. It's a bad boy. But it has to be plugged in. It's got to be charged up. And even after it's charged up, you have to turn it on. For us, the turn on is when we say, I'm going to take a step in faith. I, I, don't, I don't feel anything. I don't think my toothbrush feels anything. When it's charged up, I don't think it feels, I don't think it knows it's charged or not, right? We don't always feel the power of God, but if we have done the things that charge us up, then we just get obedient. I'm just going to go share Christ with somebody. I'm just going to go give an invitation to somebody. I'm just going to go serve somebody. I'm going to write them a note. I'm going to offer them a book. I'm going to tell them to listen to this clip of a message, whatever it is. I'm just going to, I'm just going to start. We activate, we release the power of God with our obedience. And the obedience always has to be done in trust. We don't necessarily feel it. But once we do it, some of you know what I'm talking about. Once we do it, once we get obedient, once we take that step of faith and that power rushes through us, well, frankly, it can get kind of addicting. You just want to do more of it. You just want to experience more of it. You just want to make the goodness of God known more and more. And now you know the power is available when we just simply obey and step out in faith. That's the turn on switch. We've got to be plugged in. We gotta be charged up. We gotta be turned on. How many of you would hate me if I asked you to say that with me? 
we've got to be what? Plugged in. Got to be what? Charged up. And what? Turned on. You can be plugged in and charged up, but you still got to be willing to step out and obey God. And then the power of God. It doesn't just fill us, but it flows out from us in good things. Very, very good things. Eternally good, powerful things. They start to happen. And man, there's not a one of us in here. Not a one of us. They can't live the rest of our days fully charged up, empowered. And those that give forth the very power of God to the lives of others that desperately sometimes, very desperately, need just a little something to cling to life in many cases one more day. You could be the catalyst. You could be the life giver. You can possess the power of God. I hope, I hope you'll think about it. What do I need to do? For some of you, you've got to first get connected. You might be sitting here today and you've never made your decision to put your trust in Christ and become his follower. He promises you if you make that decision to follow him, put your trust in him, he'll forgive all of your sins and give you eternal life in his kingdom. More importantly, his spirit will come and indwell you, start to work in you, and you will start to become the man, the woman that you were always meant to become, the best version of yourself. You'll be a blessing to everybody that knows you as well as to yourself, and you'll live the life that you were always meant to live. It all starts with connecting with your creator, and that starts the power of God. Now, for others of us, what rhythm, what, what, uh, what, what step, what tiny step might you take that would... Get your life on a more even flow for God's power to always be in you and available through you. I hope you'll take some action. Let's pray. Father, we are so grateful that you make your ways known to us. You make your truth known. You make yourself available. You make your power available. May your spirit so work in us today that, that we'll all know it by experience for the rest of our lives. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen.